Wow. Praise God. There's nothing like the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome, guys, tonight. Wow. Well, praise God. Man, the anointing's here, so let's dive in. Get your Bibles out. Go to the book of Matthew, chapter 19, verse 23. Now, I just preached Sunday about the promises of God and about how, you know, I, I told you that I was researching, you know, it, it varies quite a bit how many promises the Bible that people, scholars say the Bible or in the Bible. How about that? And, uh, you know, like I read one, it said 88,000, and then one said 7,000, one said 8,000, you know, so I don't know. Let's just say somewhere between seven and 88,000. How about that, you know? And, and, and I know what a lot of it is. It's because how do you, you know, some of the promises would be, you know, uh, redundant, and, you, and if you just kept adding them up, you know, whatever, but it doesn't make any difference. There's more promises than you can believe. You can dig in the Bible all of your life, and you'll still find promises, promises, promises that God has for us, okay? And so, anyway, so I want to take off of that message about talking about the promises of God. And I, I want you to, uh, I, I want to just look at something here tonight about, about all this. So, Matthew 19, 23 is where I want to start. It says, And Jesus said to his disciples, Surely I say unto you that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again to say unto you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now when his disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and said, Lord, who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and he said, With men it is impossible, with God all things are possible. Now, this is a story of the rich young ruler. He'd come to Jesus and, and he asked Jesus what he had to do to be saved. And Jesus said, Well, you know, you've got to be keeping commandments or whatever. And he gave him the commandments. And then when he said, Okay, man, you got it. You're doing it. Just go sell everything you have. You're going to have great treasure in heaven and come and follow me. He offered the young man an apostleship. He would have been one of the, the, those that would have been in the pillars in heaven. Y'all with me? They would have said whatever the rich young ruler's name was, okay? We'll call him Tom. It would have been Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Tom, right? And then he said he'd have treasure in heaven, so that meant that his giving would have produced rewards in eternity, so he would have had that forever. So what Jesus offered the rich young ruler was something that was going to last him forever and, and an apostleship that would last forever in the kingdom of heaven. And he, he couldn't do it. He couldn't turn loose of the wealth that he had because he, he was more tied to this world. And so what, the, where, what I'm saying to you is the man's faith was not in anything eternal. His faith, his level of faith was, oh, you know, I, I, I have faith that I should keep the commandments. When it came down to Jesus challenging his faith, he failed. Right? Now, he says, with men it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Okay? With men it's impossible to do the things that God sets before us. It's impossible for us to actually operate in the things of God because we're human. Okay? So I want you to look back at Matthew, still Matthew's gospel. Go to 16, Matthew 16, 24. It says, And Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. 
For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? This leaped off the scriptures to me the other day. and It's hit me. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Well, you know, we all know that there is no, you, you, can't, you can't do enough works. You can't do enough on this earth. You can't do enough good things. You can't do enough uh, penance and, and whatever in life to earn the price of your soul. Because the mark is perfection. Right? God said, be perfect because I'm perfect. So the mark is perfection. So what can a man give in exchange for his soul? The answer is nothing. No matter what we do. I was telling my wife today that I was, I was driving around and I, I, I had my radio on and it was on talk, just different talk radios were coming up. I wasn't really paying a lot of attention, but I was listening to just to catch blips and in, in, in and out. And, and there, was, there was several people that were like, they had a cause, you know, and they were on there and it was a good cause. Like they were, they were fighting for this cause. And then, that, then, then a minute I'd, I'd pick up another, you know, station or another person or however it was working. And, and then, then there was another cause. It was a good cause. They were fighting for good moral values, good Christian things, good, you know, but they were a cause. And it was completely opposite of what the other one was, you know? And then there was, a, then there, I ended up listening to three and then all three were fighting this good cause, you know? And, and, and as I was listening to it, I mean, because they were, they were noteworthy things. I'm not diminishing that at all. They were noteworthy things to get behind. And I know God compels people that have a heart for, you know, abused women, we'll say. And so that's a cause. But then they have, this other person over has a, a, a cause for children, you know. So it's different. And, 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 and it's all good, right? But as I was listening to the whole thing, I thought to myself, man, Lord, there's really only one cause. If we could preach the gospel and people could get saved, then you'll turn their hearts. And then all the causes that everybody has will start just line up because they would be taken care of. And so I, thought, I started saying to myself, my cause is to preach the gospel. Right? My cause is to tell men that they don't, they, there is nothing you can do in life to earn the price of sin on our soul. I don't care who you are. You earn a billion dollars and you give it all away. You can't buy your soul. You can rescue every orphan in the world. You can do all the great things. But unless your, your life is right with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to lose your soul. Right? And so, so then that took me and I got to thinking about that. So what, it, what can you get? What can you what can you? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? Nothing. But what can save your soul? Old song, right? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Right? So 1 Peter 1.18 says, Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct, received by the traditions from your father, but with the precious blood of Jesus as a lamb without blemish and without spot. We're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Now, you're not going to be able to operate in the promises of God. You're not going to get the promises of God to come to pass and effect in your life 
unless you understand positionally how you stand with God. If you're still trying to do something for the exchange of your soul, then the truth is you've not died to yourself. You've still got, you still got skin in the game for yourself, and you're trying to earn God's favor. Well, listen to me. You're not going to be able to walk in the promises of God because somewhere you're going to get tripped up. No matter how many times you read them, no matter how many times you confess them, no matter how many times, no matter how many times you, 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 you got them all memorized, all 88,000, and you can read them forwards and backwards. But if you do not understand that you're only redeemed by the blood of Jesus, you are made holy and righteous and blameable by the blood of Jesus. Hello? You've done what he said over here in, in uh, uh, which was it, 16? Yeah, in, in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Unless you've realized that you've laid your life down, died to self, and there's nothing you can do to redeem yourself. But every morning you wake up and you get excited because you know that you know that you know that you're right with God because you're right with Jesus and his blood is over your life. And you're not operating in the world that day based upon your abilities, your intellect. Huh? Come on. How well you know everything, how well you can articulate everything. You know that day you're operating because you're washed in the blood of Jesus. You know that you're holy and righteous and unblameable for God because you're keeping yourself under the blood. Right, first John tells us whosoever keeps himself, the wicked one touches not, keeps himself where? Under the blood. You that's that's that you've took up the cross. The cross is a bloody cross. No, my cross is nice. It's white and ivory or silver, you know, it's shiny. No, no, it's bloody. My cross is bloody. It's got the blood of Jesus all over it. When I pick up that blood and I tell every devil in hell to run because I know what the blood's about. And it's over my life, and he can't touch me because I'm holy and righteous and unblameable before God. Hello? Every devil says, oh, man, I hope he doesn't see me. I mean, like they put on camouflage. They want to hide because they, they know that they cannot stand against the blood, right? I was listening to this preacher preach the other day, and I thought, man, if that, that isn't that smart. Man, he preached this message way back in the 60s, and he was preaching how Jesus affected three worlds. He affected heaven when he died and went up and poured his blood out on the mercy seat. He affected hell when he went to hell, opened up all the, 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 the whatever, the cages or whatever, opened it up, defeated death, hell, and the grave, right? He affected that world, and then he affected this world by giving us the ability and the grace to walk in his word. So he affected three worlds with his death on the cross, Okay, so you got to, if you're going to walk in the promises of God, you've got to understand who you are and why you should be walking in the promises of God. God didn't just write a book, put it all in here, write all the promises and everything he'd do for you and put it in here just because he wanted a bestseller. Did you know the Bible is still the bestselling book? Simply because everybody's ordering Bibles and giving them away and it, it stands as the bestseller of all times. God wrote the bestseller of all times. Okay, but we have to understand this. We have to understand what the blood does for us. Okay, first John one and seven. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And what the blood of Jesus and cleanses us from all of our sin. Are y'all with me here? There's so many 
Christians and they just get religious and they just start going and through mo, you know, motions and they're not really they're not really engaged in what the Bible is all about. They're not engaged that Jesus paid on the on the cross all of your sins so you could be redeemed so you could walk in the promises of God. Hello? So once you die to yourself, you understand your position is under the blood. Because under the blood, you can't be like under the blood and then dip out of the blood and say, Lord, I really think we ought to go north. Right? And then pull yourself back in. He's not interested in what you got to do and what you got to, what you got to say. Unless it's praise coming off your lips for him. We don't want to hear that. See, we want to we want to get saved and then move right into the executive offices with the Holy Ghost. Right? We want a position, we want a desk, we want our name on it, we want authority. But we're all the time we're thinking about the authority so we can do what we want to do. Not realizing that we get saved and become absolute servants, lose our lives, pick up our cross and say, "Here I am, Lord. I showed up for work. What do you want me to do?" Okay, so when you grab that revelation, you're in the first step of understanding how to walk in the promises of God. The second step, which is kind of confusing, but I'm just going to go through it all tonight because this is the way I got it. The second step is understanding how faith works. All right? Go to Matthew 17, 20. Now I have a bunch of little things underneath that, how faith works. Matthew 17, 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, because, okay, he was talking about this is when the, they came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and the, the man bought, brought the, his son down to be healed. And he said, why couldn't your disciples? And then Jesus said to him, so he said to them, because of your unbelief, and surely I say unto you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, be removed there and it will be moved and nothing will be impossible for you. So the first thing you have to understand about faith working is it doesn't take much. Hear what I'm saying? If Jesus said this, why would he say that? If it, if it took, if he said, once you get the faith of Mount Everest, then you can move mountains. Why would he pick a mustard seed, little bitty old seed, little bitty old tiny thing? Right? I mean, he didn't even say a pumpkin seed. Pumpkin seed would be like 10 times bigger than a mustard seed or even more. He said a mustard seed. If you just have faith as a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. So the very first thing you need to understand is that you've got to have, get the devil to shut up talking to you, saying, well, if you just understood faith, you know, your faith isn't really learned. You need to learn the ABCs of faith and the, you know, the, the 36 steps of faith and the, you know, you need to gather all this. You need to understand, first of all, that it doesn't take a whole lot of faith. Jesus says to move a mountain. So then go to Romans 12, 3. The next thing about understanding about faith is, that each and every one of us has already been dealt a measure of faith. So you already have, so wait a minute, if it only takes a mustard seed of faith and you already have faith in you, because it says, for I say unto you that the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. What is the Bible, a liar or what? It means it's given each and every one of us the capacity to operate in faith. We've all been dealt a measure of faith. How much is a measure? I don't know. It's a measure, but it's bigger than a mustard seed. I was listening. I was I was listening to a lot of preachers this week, and some of my old favorites. And one of my old favorites is R. W. Shambach, and he was saying that when he was a he was a young man and he was in church, he was he was sitting there, 
And this missionary from India came and he started speaking and he spoke and he was talking and he said he had been a missionary in India for 30 years. And in 30 years, he never led one person to Christ. And uh, so R.W. thought, you know, that's terrible. And then after he got into the ministry and started going, the Lord spoke to him, says, it's time for you to go to India. And so he said, okay, Lord. And, but in the back of his mind, he kept thinking about that missionary, you know. And so he said he got a meeting, got it all together. There was 100,000 people there that night. He stood up, he preached the best that he could. He just let her rip. He just preached like, you know, wow, man. And uh, gave an altar call. And not one person came forward. And he said, okay, that's okay. I did my part. Now it's time for y'all to meet Jesus. Everybody's just kind of looking at him. He's having to speak through an interpreter. And he looked out in the audience and he picked out three people. He picked out a blind man, a mute man, and a woman who could only walk on all fours. And he said, bring those people up here to the altar. And he brought them up there and he got down there and he prayed for them, laid hands on them, and God healed every one of them. And he said, then he gave an altar call and thousands of people came forward to get saved. And he said, the only difference was is that the other missionary never operated in the gifts of the Spirit and that the people right there needed to see something before they were going to believe, right? Well, I want to tell you something. It takes a mustard seed of faith to move a mountain, and you've already been dealt faith. So then each and every one of y'all have the ability to speak into your neighbors and speak into your associates and speak into those people around you and believe God to do miracles in their life. You may not start off opening a blind eye or something like that, but man, you sure might be the person who leads somebody to the Lord. You sure might be the one that has just the, the word of wisdom to speak to somebody and say, listen, don't do that. I mean, we always want the blind eye to pop on all that, but I'm telling you, we ought to be using our faith right now to preach the gospel. Tell people about Jesus. Your friends and go over there. Somebody's there all down. My husband, he's all upset. Well, let me pray with you. And then pray the Holy Ghost fire down upon them and, and believe God that their marriage is going to get right. Have a word for them and say, man, listen, come on, go with me. I'll take you to church. Let's go eat. Let's go out and eat. Hey, it may be the $5 you give somebody. But it's time to preach the gospel. It's time for the church to rise up and preach the gospel. Everywhere we go, we preach the gospel. And you have the, been dealt a measure of faith, and it only takes a, one seed, mustard seed, to move a mountain. So you're well equipped. Okay? But let me show you this. Go to Matthew 17, 20. Matthew 17, 20. Same verse I read a while ago. I'm going to read it again. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith, it's a mustard seed. You will say to this mountain, be removed from there and go, and it will be moved and nothing will be impossible for you. I remember one day years ago, 30 years ago, I was reading this scripture and I came across it. And the Lord, just, just uh, the verse that leapt off, the part of the verse that leapt off to me was this, and you will say, Listen to me, faith has to be spoken. Faith has to be spoken. Now, think about this. Your friends, people that are around you, people that you know, and if you, if you were to ask yourself, you know, I wonder if they're really saved. Just ask yourself, what are they speaking? Faith says something. Faith says something. Faith says, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can pray and God can do that. Faith has a voice. You got to speak faith. All right? I mean, for 35 years or more, 
Since 1985, I've walked around and stomped outside every morning of my life, and I have spoken faith. He said, oh, yeah, sometimes it was all out of my head, and I'll get into the next part in a minute. Sometimes I was just trying to make things happen, but man, I'm telling you what, if you'd been my neighbor, you'd have known. I preached to the dog. I preached to the cats. I preached to everything walking around there. I preached to the deer. I go out there in the morning. I have these deer that come up, and I always look at them and say, hey, are you panting for the Waters Brook this morning? When the Lord speaks, y'all are going to give birth. That's what it says. Okay, but faith has to say something, folks. You've got to be vocal. And faith is not, well, I, my opinion is, no, it's, you don't get a, a vote. That was taking place in the first one. Faith speaking out of your mouth is what God's word says about you. That's what you should be speaking. That's what I mean when I say faith. You should be walking out and saying, Lord, I just thank you today I'm saved. I am blessed. God, you, your hand is upon me. Goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. I don't, I, my body's hurting today. I don't feel real good, Lord. But I thank you that when you made me, you made a good thing. So I'm going to get better as the day goes on. Faith has got to start coming out of your mouth. If you're going to see things move, if you're going to see the promises of God work. The next one, James 2.17. That's also faith by itself. If it does not have works, it's dead. Faith has to have action. Now listen to me. I'm sitting here looking at y'all tonight. I know that there's people out there watching and their, their, their little numbers are clicking up on the little screen. And so I know that they're out there, right? And then I know different things are going to happen. But I'm looking at y'all tonight. Faith got you here tonight. Even if you came tonight to service or even if you tuned on tonight like, oh, God, their life is so bad. I just got to see if I can't listen about That was still faith that got you that you knew that you needed to go to Jesus. Faith has to take action. So what did you do? You had to drive here tonight. You had to find the channel, turn it on, listen to it, whatever. Faith, your faith brought, has an action to it, right? If your faith has no action, if you're just sitting around saying words out of your mouth, but it's not moving you to do something, well then folks, it's not faith. It's not faith. It's just words coming out of your mouth. Now look at Matthew 12, 34. Matthew 12, 34. Jesus speaking here to the Pharisees. He says, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Faith must come from the abundance of your heart. In other words, if you don't really believe it in your heart, you're not going to speak it out of your mouth and, it's, and you're not going to take action to do it. I was laughing last night, last night or this morning. Last night, I think. Anyway. For Christmas, last Christmas, my wife bought me this awesome flashlight. Man, it was the coolest flashlight in the world. This thing burned your retinas right out. I just flash it at you, and you're instantly blind. I mean, this thing, you could see like 16 miles down the road, you know, and it was only this long. And so I love this flashlight. You know I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it was a great flashlight. And so I love this flashlight. And so we were getting ready to go out. Uh, uh, out onto the hunting lease and, and I wanted my flashlight. I couldn't find it. I started looking everywhere with my flashlight and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't find my baby, you know? And so then I started going and I sat there for a couple of days and I started retracing in my mind, where could my flashlight possibly be? And so then I thought, well, I remember we went somewhere, somewhere and I had it then and I had it then. I know I had it then. And so I was already down to the fact that, you know, after about three days of going, I said, oh, I bet it's here and going over there and it wasn't there. And I was like, oh, I bet it's here and going over there and it wasn't there. And I, oh, I bet it's here and going over there. And so finally I said, Lord, I just thank you that you've blessed me because I'd prayed about it. I said, Lord, where's my flashlight? 
but I could get no word. And so I said, Lord, I just thank you that you bless me. And I'm taking some money from pastor's appreciation. I want to go buy me another flashlight because I love that flashlight. So I was going to go buy another one. So then I sat down in the chair. I think it was yesterday. And I was just sitting there and all of a sudden I was just like, you didn't look in that bag. I'm like, I didn't. So I jumped up and ran in there and jerked one of the suitcases down. Whoop, put it in there. Ah, there was a flashlight. So I did a little dance around the house. It, it, the Holy Ghost finally took, took him about a week to get through me, to me. And uh, I had my flashlight, right? Well, then I start thinking about, well, I wonder how this, what this thing runs off of. Never even really paid any attention. So I open it up and the battery comes out. It's a chargeable battery, you know? So there's a cord that you plug into the battery. And I was like, oh, great. Now, where's that thing? And so I like, I like, I don't even remember this thing. I don't even remember ever charging it. It's been running forever. And so then I said something to Laura. We started looking. We looked through drawers and everything. And then she went over there. And it was just laying right on top of the little dresser there. Got that thing. And I said, man, this is like Christmas, Lord. I mean, I got that, I got that flashlight. It's like a whole brand new thing. Got the cord. But I'm saying to you, well, faith has to have action to it. And so if your faith doesn't have any action, it had to come out of the abundance of heart. I, 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 there was a part of me that wanted to just give up. But the other part of me kept saying, no, 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 that's not right. I, I, it's somewhere. You've got to do something, Lord. But then it took action on my part to go look. Right? So faith has to have action to it. If it doesn't have action to it, and the action that comes from it, has to, it, it, it can't come from your head. It's got to come from your heart. You've got to believe it, folks. And listen to me, Christianity is not about what denomination you belong to. And to get back and say, well, I'm this and I'm that and whatever. No, you better forget about that. And you better get down to the brass tacks in life and really get down to the nitty gritty and know inside of your heart that you're right with God and know inside of your heart that the Bible is true. Know inside of your heart where your faith is produced, it comes out of your mouth that sets mountains moving because you're believing the promises of God. And you know you have a right to them because the blood of Jesus is what's over your life. And when you know that, you, you start, it starts to transform you into another person. It starts to transform you into another person. And I'm not saying from this message, I don't want anybody to take off of this message. Well, pastor says we're not start fighting a cause. No, you should go. You should be and do what God's leading you to. But I'm saying the ultimate thing is, is that we preach the gospel so that people can be saved because then he can change their hearts and then things line up. Amen. So these are the principles. These are some of the principles of walking in faith, knowing your position that gets all of those, you know, however many they be promises of God working in your life. Amen. Without them, all it is is just works. You're just trying to pay for your soul, and you ain't going to get nowhere with that. So I want to pray with you. If there's anybody out there, and you're watching or listening, and listening, you're not sure you're right with Jesus. You're not sure right now that if you died, you'd go to heaven. You don't know that the blood of Jesus is over your life and forgiven you of your, your sins. Listen to me. It's really simple. You have to use that measure of faith that I was talking about and believe God and say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you arose from the grave. I believe you are the son of God. And Lord, save me and forgive me of my sins. And right there, when you pray that from your heart, 
The Spirit of God will hit you. He will deliver you. He will set you free from bondages. He will set you free from the things of life. And he will, you, you, your whole life will change in a moment, but it's going to change from the inside out. And so all you have to do is ask him to come into your life, and he will. But everyone else, I want to just pray for you. So y'all in here, just stand up if you would. Let me pray for you and bless you. Father, I just declare right now tonight that, Lord God, this night that you begin to to open up our understanding. Lord, let people see tonight the power of the blood of Jesus, what it does for them. That, Lord, that no one should be trying to pay for their soul. Our soul has been paid for by the blood of Jesus. And, Lord, let each and every one of us see that that it's just a measure of faith. It's a little bit of faith. It's a mustard seed of faith, Lord, that moves mountains. And let us truly be believers, believers in your word, believers in who you are. Lord God, be believers so that we can go out into a dying and hurting world, a world that's so messed up, and preach the gospel. Tell people the good news that Jesus, you are the Son of God, that you are the answer to their lives. And so, Lord, I thank you for it. Bless them. Bless their giving. Bless their tithes. Bless their offerings, Lord God. Bless their businesses in this crazy time, Lord. And we just thank you that you are our source. And we give you all the praise, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.